morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. My name is Michael Bath. Welcome back if you've been here before, and welcome if you haven't. Uh, this is uh, Owner's Stories today, and Owner's Stories is is the episode where I chat to uh, fellow Porsche owners, fellow Porsche enthusiasts around the world. Uh, we talk about, you know, how you came about getting your first 911 when you first got into Porsche, all the fun things that we like chatting about. Think of it as a cars and coffee, I guess. Think of it as just connecting online with, you know, fellow enthusiasts, fellow Porsche Porsche friends, as I call it. Um, so that's what we're going to do today, owner's stories. And today we have uh, Nick, and Nick is from uh, Melbourne in Australia. So from not my hometown, but my home country. Everyone, you guys know I'm, I'm from Australia. Nick... Uh, Nick and I have never met, but Nick and I have chatted on and off through YouTube and through Instagram over the years. Uh, he supported my channel, my YouTube channel, Michael Bath, in the early days. Uh, he was always commenting and, and commenting on my videos, which was fantastic. Uh, Nick's, it's going to be hard to get all this into one hour, this episode, um, because Nick has owned quite a few Porsches. Uh, his current one is not his first one, so we'll try and get through everything. We'll try and cover everything that you guys like to hear about. Um, but like I said, if well, I haven't said it yet. But like I like I always say, if 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 you want to know more about Nick's car, if you want to know more about his Porsche experience, every owner's story. Most people are on Instagram. Uh, Nick is on Instagram at architect uh, underscore driving. Go and check out his car. Uh, he also posts lots of great images of other cars as well. So check that out. Give him a follow and uh, let's support the uh, Porsche Cooled uh, community. All right, let me get Nick. Uh, it's a, it's. A, I'm a little bit early. I've got I've got another 15 minutes, but I'm just going to set up here. I'm going to get Nick on the line and we'll start talking uh, all things Porsche. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Owner Stories. Um, in the intro, I forgot to mention actually, this is number 24. Uh, so we're up to 24 owner stories. And today I'm looking forward to this one, actually, because it's with um, Nick. And as I said in the intro, Nick and I have sort of chatted a lot over the years. Nick was a supporter of my YouTube channel in the when it first started, watching the videos and commenting on the videos, which always helps when you're starting a YouTube channel. Um, but Nick's joined us from Melbourne. Hi, Nick. How are you? Very well. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad you. Um, I'm glad you had some time to do this. I know you're you're busy, and we 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 sorted this out over the last couple of weeks to get a, a good time that we can record. Um, and I said to the listeners in the beginning of uh, in the intro, actually, that I want to get through most of the cars that you've had because you've had a pretty good collection of Porsches, and I think the listeners will get a really good overview of of certain models uh, from hearing your story. And I think that's what people like to hear, especially people who are not into the brand or people who have just got into the brand and are looking for different variants. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be interesting for for those listeners. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that reach out to me. A lot of people reach out to me and, and tell me, you know, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. What do you think? And I don't have a lot of personal mm. experience. And that's you know what I mean, Nick? And that's what owner stories is about, is that other people can give their story, give their experience, uh, because I'm not an expert, as I always say. I'm just an enthusiast. Um, as, as we all are. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as, as you know, I always like to start this podcast and we always like to start owner's stories with, you know, where it all started um, and where it all started as in, you know, did you have a relative that had a Porsche? Did you, did you have that poster on you all as a kid? You know, was it something that you only sort of started noticing once you started working later in life and then thought, hang, I've, I've got some extra cash here, I'm, I'm going to splurge and I'm going to buy myself a 911 or I'm going to buy myself a Boxster. Um, when did it all start for you? When did you first start noticing uh, Porsche? Well, 
Uh, I, I reckon it must have been as maybe a 12-year-old or, or thereabouts. Um, certainly my, my immediate family, uh, my mum and dad didn't especially have great cars as we grew up. They just had regular cars. They didn't, they didn't buy sports cars or flash cars or anything like that. Um, dad ended up getting a couple of Porsches later in life. He's still around, but he, um, that was, I was well, I was an, I was an adult by that stage. Uh, In fact, he got his first Porsche at about the same time I got mine. Um, but I certainly as a 12 year old, I remember I was, I wasn't, um, attached to any particular brand. So I was definitely focused more on European cars and I was snipping out, you know, images out of magazines and just plaster. I just remember my, my, the walls in my bedroom was like wallpapered with images of cars. I don't know that I had particularly, you know, the Countach and the and the 911 Turbo and people talk about the tech because it was at yeah. that time. It was the mid-'80s. You know, yeah. I'm sure that was somewhere in there, but I was focused on all sorts of things. It's weird that, isn't it? It's weird that oh, – sorry yeah. to interrupt, but it's weird that that the Countach and the, and the Ferrari posters, like I never had those posters. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, Maybe I missed out yeah. somewhere along the line, but I never had those posters on my wall. But it doesn't mean I'm not interested yeah. in cars. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm sure they existed. And I, I think, yeah, I think they they live in people's imagination anyway. Uh, but I had a whole lot of cars on my wall, and I was into it. And um, but then the Porsche thing really clicked in for me when an aunt of mine. Well, I think initially it was because it, she was a journalist and she was uh, doing this the show Beyond Two Thousand. She did. I heard the stories about when she did did a she went to Germany to see the 959 in development. It must have been a couple of years before it was released, and okay. she was talking about the technology of cars, and and that was a spaceship at the time. And I don't think I even appreciated what what it actually was that she was talking about, but it was definitely the 959. So wow, that's very cool. Yeah. Very cool to see. Yes. Yeah. So I was aware of that, and um, I don't know if the story is true, but I, I half I half feel like she might have even crashed the car in the in the story. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but, um, but so that that lives in my memory. And then um, a couple of years later, she bought a 1959 356A, and she okay. lived in Sydney. But the car the car was from Melbourne, and we lived in Melbourne. And for uh, and in its transport to Sydney, it ended up at our place for a you know, a day or something. And, um, I don't think anyone really knew what it was, but I, I was enamored with it. And, um, I would have still been at school at that stage. And maybe a year or two later, we used to go to Sydney for holidays with, uh, and stay with her quite frequently. And, um, she, she, she gave me the keys on a couple of occasions and I drove it around Sydney and I thought that was pretty incredible. Um, so that's a, that's a, that's a pretty unique experience to drive a, a 356. Um, yeah. And that's probably when they weren't, this is in the nineties, is it? Or early 2000s, nineties? Yeah. No, 90, early nineties. It would have been like 91 or 91, 92, that sort of time. So, so they were very yeah. cool then and they were very unique. They weren't as sought after though, were they? Cause I, I know that, and I mentioned the no. story before, I remember in, I think it's early 2000, early 2000, um, the guy that owned icebergs in Sydney, Morris, he had yep. a he had a three five six, a beat up three five six, and I thought it was the coolest thing. But not many people had them, and that was when they were reasonably, you know, reasonably well priced in in Australia as well before the before the boom, so to speak. So you you, yeah. you get the you get the experience of driving this beautiful air cooled. You get the experience of being in in your aunt's three five six. Does that make you mm. think? So you you're working then, or you're still at school? I was I was just starting uni. So I was still a way off. I was still a way off being able to buy even a car. 
So okay, yeah, and yeah. So I was still. So you started uni, and I should, you're an you're an architect, right? You're an architect. So yeah, that, so that's yeah. a long process at university to be an architect, isn't it? Six years, two two degrees, six years. So, um, so yeah, I was a, I was a little while before I was sort of in a paid job and thinking about buying my first car. So, um, so during those uni years, I was living in Adelaide, and I I just rode a push bike and. Um, and I got loaned a car from time to time, but I, I didn't have a car for ages. So, um, okay. but yeah, I was, but this, the whole three, five, six thing, that was the, that was really the, the bug. And I was, I was obsessed to try and get a, get a Porsche as quick as I could after that. So, um, so you finished uni, you start working, you set up your own business or you start working, um, and, start then, working. and then you think, okay, this is it. I'm going to buy my first, uh, my first Porsche. What did you start looking um, for? Well, my first car was actually at um, MGB 1969. I, I bought that maybe a year, you know, maybe the first year into work, 90, would have been 98. I uh, had that for a couple of years and then, um, or three, three or so years. Then, then my girlfriend, so in 2001, my girlfriend at the time and my current partner, she had a MX-5 and I had an MGB. Okay. And we decided some somehow i had a i was i was connected with uh, a salesperson at dutton here in melbourne yes and somehow the idea of buying a 911 came to fruition and we decided that we would pool our resources of the the mg and the the old little um mx5 and buy a 911 and um so i was at the time the the, the car that was suggested to anyone at the time as a first, the, the, the best first Porsche was a G series 85 Carrera. It was, okay. it was, so that was, that was, that became the one They Dutton had one on the floor. It must've been about 50 odd thousand. Um, the two cars that I had, that we had, um, when you put them both together, like sell them and put them together, it was worth about 50,000. Um, and interestingly, with the deal with Dutton, like they were, they were so accommodating. Like I was just a young guy with with a couple of cars. It's like, oh yeah, I'd love to buy this, but we haven't sold these other cars yet. So they kind of said, oh yeah, okay, well we'll hold the 911 for you, and you go away and sell your cars and come back when you can't, when you've got the money, come back and we'll have it waiting for you. So okay. <laughs> that, that wouldn't happen today, right? Would that no. still happen today at Dutton's? I don't think so. I don't think so. Even, even at the time, like I'd managed to sell the MGB and we were having a little bit of issues selling the MX-5 and they said, oh, just bring it in. We'll put it on the showroom floor. We'll see if, we'll see if we can sell it here for you. So um, they didn't end up doing that. We ended up selling it another way, but it was, they were being super accommodating. And oh, that's great. this is with Jeff Dutton. This is with Jeff Dutton and, um, and one of the guys that we knew there. So, um, so that was the, so the, sorry to interrupt to the listeners. If, if uh, I think I have mentioned this before, but Dutton's in Melbourne is a really, uh, quite a special car dealer, isn't it, Nick? I mean, they have Ferraris, yeah. they have very rare cars. You know, I think they've even had a Carrera GT in there at one stage. They've, they've had, uh, they, they have everything. They have everything. They have everything yeah. Yeah. Race car. It's all highly collectible very rare cars all, all the all the brands that you could imagine but yeah a lot of ferraris porsches lamborghinis um it's an incredible place so yeah um that was where i got my first car when they were on um uh church street in richmond so they they're in this sort of old warehouse so they're in a cool space now um but it, but for, for a lot of years they're on church street in richmond in this big sort of uh timber truss 
you know, warehouse type space full of, you know, beautiful cars. So, okay. Um, so tell the listeners a little bit more about this car. So what, what was the car? It was a 1985 G series, right? So. Yeah. So it was the, had the 915 gearbox. It was the last of the leaded petrol models. So it's, so it had 231 horsepower. Uh, it was white. I think, I think they called it Grand Prix white. It had a dark blue interior. It wasn't, it wasn't immaculate, but it was in pretty good, it was in pretty good nick. And right. um, uh, so, yeah, it was, and, and it was, it was, it was a great car to have. Like, it was a dream. Like as soon as I, as soon as I got that car, I was, I was in love with it. Um, I, I had only just, I'd only just stopped working for another architectural practice and starting my own. So timing wasn't ideal, but I, you know, I took the risk. I was, I wasn't going to wait. I, I just yeah. simply wasn't going to wait. <laughs> when is the t- when is the timing ever right? Really, is it? It's never really right. Yeah. It's always, you know, you always just dive in, don't you? Well, most people dive in. Um, I think so, you, I think you do. Yeah. So when you got this car, when you got the G series, um, great color mm. combination, blue interior with a white, you know, perfect for that for that generation. So you're driving yeah. around Melbourne. Do you do you see any sim- similarities in this car from the three five six that you you drove of your aunt's all those years before? Uh, yeah, I think so. It obviously had had a whole lot more power and performance, but yeah, it it had all those Porsche hallmarks and the solidity and the clunk of the door and the sm- you know the unique smell that you get from Porsches with the certain sort of carpet and the leather and the metal and the and the oil. You know, it's just a very familiar yeah, smell. Yeah. With all of, with all of them, so. So I think um, what's what's interesting though is you started with this G series. You started with an air cooled. You got in. You bought one when they were good prices, when they weren't so crazy like they are now. Yeah. And then, you know, I want to talk about, and I did this in a previous episode. I want to talk about. So then you go from this air cooled, and then you buy your next nine eleven. So does this come straight after? Do you do you sell? Yes. Do you sell the G series yeah. for the next one? So tell the, the listeners what the next yeah. one is because you're going from air to water. Yeah, I went from a um, G Series 911 85 Carrera to a 996 Mark II. Um, yeah, Carrera 996 Mark II. So it was a fair, it was a fair change. And, and at the time, it was a that car was not. It, it was almost like a new car. So I was, I was making a massive, I was making a massive leap from a um, a 25 to 30, well, 30 year old car to to a two-year-old car. Yes. So, and um, so I was, in fact, with the with the G Series Nine Eleven, I hadn't long done a top-end rebuild on that car. So I had it. It was working. It was working beautifully. I got it all. I got it all working uh, amazingly re, uh, with the top-end rebuild. And then very shortly after, I sold it and I got this nine nine six. So. So why did you want to make the change? Why did you? I mean, this is in you. You bought a two thousand and two nine nine six point two, right? You told me 2002. Yeah. So you bought that in That's what right. year? You bought that when it was only a couple of years old? Yeah, I must have bought it in 2004, 2005. So something okay. like that. So pretty new um, car, pretty new car basically. So it's the new 911, controversial yeah. 911 at the time, you know, a love and hate relationship yeah. from people when they're buying it. So what made you sell this? What made you sell the G Series to get to the 996? What was what was the deciding factor why you thought you wanted the 996? Um. I think I was looking for a really contem- I was looking for the most contemporary car I could get, and at the time that was the new 911. And I know there was sort of the hang-ups about the fried egg lights, and but I had I guess I had the up 
updated. I had the turbo style light lights, yeah, and I, yeah. I think at the time I thought they were cool. I didn't. I didn't. Ha- I've never had an issue with actually the whole nine nine six design, but um, I I didn't see it as a as a negative in it. It was only a, it was only a massive leap forward from where I was sitting at the time, um, and I totally loved the nine nine six. It was. Uh, I didn't keep it all that long because the next car was a fairly big jump from that one. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it but it was a great car. I like it. I've loved every single 911 I've ever had. It doesn't it hasn't actually mattered which one I've had. Okay. So I guess yeah. Nick, what I, I guess because on the owner stories, right? A lot of people who are buying 996s are buying them now, and they're buying them when yes. because they're available because they want a first 911. They get into the get yeah. into Porsche by buying a 996, which you know around the world are cheaper than Australia, but still in Australia they're a lower price. I guess what I was getting at yeah. is, is that you bought it when the price wasn't low. You bought it because so basically you wanted that car because it was the latest 911. It was new technology, and it, and that's what yeah. appealed to you. And you know you're already yeah. into the Porsche brand. You you know you love Porsche, and that was that was the logical next step. And also air cools weren't not. I'm not saying as cool, but not as loved in that period right no not the same and like an, and even when i had my car like a, the idea of a 911 sc was not considered a great like no one was hankering for a 911 sc yeah true, um, true. <laughs> they, they are now but no one no <laughs> yeah. one did then yeah <laughs> so uh, and there's nothing wrong they're great cars but um it's just different how over time how things change but um but you know i think people thinking about a 996 now it's they are sort of this They've got that entry level price. They are kind of affordable. I just you can't really get like they've got their foibles and they've got their things, but there's like a 911 is a 911. It it's always been Porsche's flag. Well, since 1963, it's been their flagship product, and there isn't anything. There is no such thing as a bad 911. Essentially, yeah, you know? I agree. I agree. Um, so I think you can't so, really so, go wrong. True, true. So you bought the first one from Dutton's. Um, you're yes. still living in Melbourne. Where do you yep. buy the second one? Does it come from a dealer? You you got a dealer you can trust, yeah, or comes, you buy it privately? It comes from a dealer. It came from Porsche Centre Melbourne, um, and and I guess one of the reasons why I bought it from there was at about that time or a little bit earlier. I started working for Porsche as an architect. Um, oh, okay. So the, the so the import company um, Porsche Cars Australia, who who is my client. Um, that they operate out of that Porsche Centre Melbourne dealership and that Porsche Centre Melbourne dealership is a factory-owned dealership. Um, so, so I had that company connection and I had the, I had the ability to get a new car through or new-ish car through them okay. um, with, a, with a, bit of, a bit of a leg up, so to speak. So I know the listeners are going to be saying, ask Nick about what he did for Porsche. So what did you do? Did you do the dealerships? Did you the architecture of the dealerships in Australia? Or? Yeah, the first. Yeah, the first job I did was um, they they needed to do a new parts distribution warehouse, and I helped um, someone do a model so they could go to Germany and get the funding for the project. And so they came back and they got the funding and said, Nick, we've got a live project. And so I I just fell into being the architect of that. Oh, that's great. And then and then shortly after that. You know, once you're in the door, then, you know, they, they work, you know, they're like a lot of companies. They work with, lo- you know, loyalty and relationships. And um, when they then needed to do a dealership design, I was there. I was an architect. I was an enthusiast. I was passionate. And, you know, I had to compete for the job, but, I you know, I secured it. And so I did Porsche Centre Melbourne. Um, I did Porsche Centre Doncaster and Brighton. And then I ended up 
um, uh, being an architectural representative for Porsche in Australia and help whenever they needed to advise the dealer network of upgrades and changes to be in line with corporate identity guidelines, then um, the work would go through me and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd sort of, uh, what's the word, scrutinise and, and give the direction for what should wow. happen. So, that's a great, that's yeah. a great situation to be in. Fantastic. Oh, it was, yeah, it's perfect, perfect to bring your passion and your work exactly, together. Exactly, so, exactly. That's what yeah. makes you smile. Um, I think Steve's always That's said right. he would have loved to have done the Porsche account for, you know, advertising or marketing. You know, it's always one of those yes. things that you just want to do, you know. Um, yeah, and they had those really f- fun ads. Though. Yeah, yeah. Those, those, comic, those comic, comical ads, yeah. Yeah. So you've got the you've got the 996.2. So you buy it from Porsche Melbourne. You trust them. You, yeah. you know, the car's fine. It, it probably came with a warranty at the time because it was quite reasonably yeah. new. So it was all all sorted. So then you're driving yeah. that car, you're enjoying that car, you, you're doing the architecture for Porsche centers in, through Melbourne. Yeah. So how long do you own the 996.2 Carrera, the blue Carrera for? I, th- I think a couple of years and um, two, or, two or three years. It might have been three. It was probably three. Um, I enjoyed it. And then somewhere along the line I, I got the idea that perhaps the GT3 was um, – something that was because I guess I was always sniffing around the dealership because I was kind of there and I was looking at things and the dream started to expand a little bit so so you're being tempted that's that's the worst part you're being being tempted daily by going to these dealerships and working for Porsche so then yeah that's so then you get you know so I just want to go back to the 996 just very quickly so during the the period of the 996 and during that time was the was the IMS that something that was that was there in, in conversation, or was it not really there then? I'm just trying to work. I can't remember. I don't reckon it was that that understood at that particular time. I know, like it's it's become understood in time and it's discussed frequently. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think it wasn't the issue then. I don't think anyone was. It was a rel- it was a new car, and I don't think anyone was really discussing um, that. As as a particular foible, okay. Um, it certainly emerged, but it wasn't it wasn't my concern at the time. And um, but even like nine nine six fours at the time, they were maligned because everyone said that they leak, you know, because of the crankcase design, they leaked oil, and everyone yeah. said, "No, you don't touch nine six fours. Yeah, they're exactly. terrible." Exactly, I remember <laughs> that. Time changes. Very, it does. It does. Look at nine six four prices in Australia now; it's gone crazy. Um, yeah. All right. So you, yeah. you're in the 996.2. You, you know, this is you know you've gone from air, you've gone to water. So then you think, okay, mm. I want to, I want something a little bit. I want a GT car. I want something a bit more, more special. So how did you get yes. into the next car? And tell the listeners what you bought. Um, yeah. So I was looking around the dealership and I found, I found a 996 uh, Mark II GT3, a red one. Uh, it had, uh, it had ceramic brakes. I, I spoke to the use the um uh, the, the 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 sales guy about it. I was probably well, I wasn't really dithering, but I think I I, I just had a look at it. I didn't even drive it, um, and I just went away and thought, mm, I'll come, I'll think about it. The next day, I went back, and as I was and I, and I went back to basically say, yeah, I want to buy I want to buy this car, and um, but in the meantime, they'd sold it to oh, okay. um to another another guy and I think it was Rob Rob Raymer who used to be a um a dealer an independent dealer here in Melbourne who passed away a handful of years ago so he he sort of snuck in and 
uh, not you know he just he just he just was there on a on a on a moment and he he bought it. So right. and I and literally at the time that I was walking to say oh I wouldn't mind I want I want that car too and then it was already gone. Um, but then because I had this relationship with Porsche, someone within head office had heard that I'd missed out on that car on the floor. And they just said, oh, Nick, don't worry about that. We've got a, I've got a better option for you, which was um, Porsche has a sport driving school up in Queensland um, yes. at Mount Cotton and they have fleet, a whole fleet of cars. And at, at any given time they had, well, at the time they had three GT3s and they were about to turn them over because they were, they were a couple of years old at that stage and they were about to be put onto the dealer network and um uh, so anyway, this executive at Porsche said, "Look, before we before we talk to the dealer network or put them out, if if you want to fly up to Queensland and have a look, go and pick go and pick one." So I jumped on a flight, went to Mount Cotton, and there was a red one, a black one, and a white one. Okay. And uh, the guy pulled pulled them out of the garage for me, and I I picked one. So okay, so were you concerned that this car was used at the driving school and people had been? you know, pushing it to the limits um, and, 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 and driving it hard? Um, not particularly because I knew once I bought it as well, I, I would, it, was, it was being bought through the dealer and I had a, I had a warranty. So, okay. so yeah, when, but, um, when you bought it, Nick, how old was the car? So the, these cars, they wouldn't two, keep for very long? Yeah, they, I think they'd kept – it was two years old at the time. So okay. it, by this time it was 2000 and – it must have been 2009 – and right. the car was a 2007 um, 997 Mark I okay. GT3 Club Sport. There's a trend here where you get into reasonably, well, apart from the air cooled, you're getting into reasonably new new cars. You're getting into cars that are a couple of years old. You're not buying them new, but you're getting into them yes. when they're, you know, the price has come back a little bit. Uh, the availability yeah. is there. So what did the yeah. 997.1 uh, GT3, as you know, Steve's got one of those and he's a, he's a huge yes. fan. So what... Yeah. Were the options that came with your car? What what did that GT3 have? Um, it didn't. Ha- it didn't have a lot, uh, as as they as they don't tend to do. But it it was the Club Sport pack, so uh, it had the roll cage. It had the Carrera GT seats, which were awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I would almost have bought the car just for the seats alone. Yeah. Um, it had two sets. They are the best seats. Yeah. It had two sets of race, um, of harnesses because it was an, a car with a, with a driver and instructor. Um, and that was kind of it in terms of options. Otherwise it it just, you know, standard stereo, no sunroof, no, no leather trim. But when you got a GT3, you don't, you don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. Don't tell Steve Uh, that. Um, (laughs) so so you've got, so you, you fly up to, you fly up to Queensland you, you literally see this, you, you have the choice of three, you know, candy yeah. store situation. You have the choice. You pick the white one and that's that's it. So then you, you get it, they ship it back down to Melbourne for you. That's right. And, and then, they peel off all the stickers and, and detail it and, yeah. So they fix up the car for you. They detail it. They give it a service. Yeah. They do all that for you yeah. it's, and it's all perfect. So then you've got a yeah. GT car. Um, do you then think of doing track days in the GT car? Yeah, and I did. I did. I did. I didn't do like them super frequently, but I was doing them at least two or three times a year. And I was going to Phillip Island or Winton. Um, Sandown is really accessible for us in Melbourne. Not the greatest track, but it's it's in the it's in the metropolitan area, so we'd always go go there at odd times. Um, and 
yeah, so the car, the car was obviously made for that for that place, all those places. Um, the pinnacle of my track experience in that car was being able to go to Bathurst in 2010. Yeah. There was yeah. A, like there was an event that all of the Australian Porsche clubs um, came together on, and so we got to drive the circuit as a race circuit, um, drive it as far as fast as you dare, um, and uh, and and my yeah, yeah. That's pretty scary though, because I mean, when I was a kid, we used to live near Bathurst. We were, I lived yeah. near Bathurst for quite a, quite some time, you know, up to ten years of age. And we went to yeah. Mount Panorama, um, you know, and because mm. you can drive through the track, right? It's just a road. Right. I don't know whether it yeah. still is. And just it you is. Know, some yeah. of those, some of those drops in the in the road and the angles, and and you think when you're doing that at speed, like it's it's a very tactical, very very looks like a difficult track, you know, to drive yeah. on. So did you have uh, previous? Did you have previous track? How did you get into doing track days on your, with your GT3? Did you have any experience, or you just went in there and did things with the Porsche Club no. first? How did you get into it? I didn't do anything with the Porsche Club. I, ju- I did odd things with the Porsche Club, but not sprints or racing or anything like that. I did the odd. I did some of the dr- I, Yeah, I joined, and then they have different interest groups. Like there's a GT3 group, and you drive out to the Yarra Valley and you do a do a drive with the group. I did that kind of thing, and then I joined okay. the club as well, so I could do this Bathurst thing. But prior to that, I'd done a bunch of the Porsche um, driver training events up at Mount Cotton, so I'd, I'd had that prof- professional sort of advanced driver training tuition. Um, by that time, I'd also done Camp 4 in Finland, um, oh, okay. which is on the which is on the ice. I subsequently went back to Finland and went to Ice Force as well. Um, but, yeah, I was, getting, I was getting tuition through, you know, when you do a track day, um, whether it was with Porsche or with um, – there's also that company called Events O'Neill. Uh, okay. Luke O'Neill runs, runs these track days and you get tuition and you've got an open track and so, yeah. Um, so that was where I was getting my experience, just driving and then getting, getting drive, you know, race car drivers on the day, jump in the car with you and they tell you, you know, they tell you how they drive and how you can be better and so on and so forth. It, it's so. interesting to me that the, the two owners from Melbourne that I've had on the owner stories, yourself yeah. and um, uh, James from Porsche Platts, Porsche Platts, have both done track yes. days. I mean, he's obviously well into it with these cup cars, but you've both done track days. So I think it's quite interesting that, you know, not a lot of people do track days in their Porsche, so it's 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 quite interesting. And you both yeah. come from Melbourne. I don't know whether that's because you have a lot of tracks around there, or because Phillip Island is so close. Or uh, I think there's a bigger lure with Phillip Island. Like it's really magnetic. It's sort of when you're into cars, it's hard not. It's uh, it's like a it's almost a rite of passage. Like you you almost need to say that you've been if you have yeah. If you're yeah. really into cars, everyone says, "Oh yeah, I've, I've driven Phillip Island." Okay, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel anyway. <laughs> we're going to get through all these cars. I'm worried we're not going to get through everything. So let's. So we got the GT3. Um, you're in the GT experience. You're really you're using the car how it should be used. You're doing track days. You know, you're, you're working the car. Um, obviously, yeah. you had a lot of fun with that car. What made you switch it out? What made you change it? Um, uh, we were buying a new place and. I needed to just free up some finances and I was just staring down a different level of mortgage and it's like, yeah, I think I, I can't not have a Porsche, but I need to do something that's a bit, a bit more sensible. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and so when, when I went from a GT3, uh, the thing that made sense to me was to go to the polar opposite of a GT3 and that was a boxed up. 
Okay. So, what, what year was this, Nick? What year did you? Uh, know? this was two, This was now two thousand and twelve. So I bought the nine. Yeah, what is it? The nine eight one nine eight one series. Yeah, um, Boxster, and I bought a new one. Oh, you bought a new one. Okay, so you you had yeah. the so you went to Porsche Melbourne, or is that where you bought? Yeah, it from? I went to Porsche Melbourne, and I bought a brand new Boxster black, and I went from a white GT three to a black Boxster. So I did everything about it was opposite. So yeah. so the the nine eight one is a great Boxster. It's a great generation of of the Boxster, and I have had uh, yeah. Stephen from Sydney, who was in a, a recent episode, who spoke about his red one that he bought, and he was looking for nine eight one, and he was looking for guards red, and he definitely wanted manual, and he waited two years to find that. And I kind of believe yes. it because now when you look on car sales, which is in Australia, which I always refer to, you know, there's not many 981 boxes in manual. Like they're very hard to come by. They're quite, they've become very sought after or not many people bought them in manual, which is probably part yeah. of the reason as well. So you get the opportunity. Yeah, and I, I had a manual one. You did? So you get the opportunity to yeah. spec this, this Boxster out at Porsche Melbourne. How, yeah. do, you, how do you option it? Um. Pretty basically, like again, I was I, I had a cost I had a cost reason to sort of dr- go cheaper. So I, I um, you know, it's an entry level car, and I didn't load it up with a lot of stuff. I just black on black on black, twenty inch wheels, uh, which I ended up painting uh, because I'd come from the GT3, which had an epic soundtrack. Um, you know, that's that oral experience of a GT3 is almost half of why you buy the car. Um, yeah. So I so I put a sports exhaust on the on the boxer to at least get as much noise out of it as I can, um, and then I think other than that I, I don't I think I put a sport I put a sport design steering wheel on it because it was a nice design yes um, and it was quite similar to the to the GT three steering wheel at the time and then and then just the sports exhaust I think that was it so it was a bog standard boxster twenty inch wheels sports exhaust and a steering wheel and manual so. But really, you know, there's not. We always say there's nothing wrong with the base. There's nothing wrong with the bog standard. And you know, you really did spec no. it quite well. You got the manual. You got the sound. I mean, what else do you really yeah. need? You know what I mean? The other things are creature comforts. How was the power though? Because you've bought a Boxster, uh, a standard Boxster, entry level Boxster. Yeah. How was the power when you first picked up that car and you're driving it compared to your GT3? How different did it feel? Was it a um, lot around around Melbourne and around those sort of places where you usually drive? How did it feel? I think it's still an awesome car. Like I, I sort of go back to all of these cars. I've enjoyed every single one of them. And even when I had the G Series 85 Carrera, sometimes you'd get the opportunity to drive someone else's car and it might, or you do like a Porsche, Porsche driving event and you're driving absolutely brand new cars and you sort of have this thing in your, in your stomach, oh, not your stomach, but you feel like, oh, I hope I haven't spoiled my experience of my other car because I'm driving something absolutely brand new and the performance is on another level. But then you go yeah. back to your own car and you're like, oh, I still love this car. This this still is, you know, tingly and I love it and I enjoy it and it hasn't ruined the experience at all. So I sort of feel like with the Boxster was similar, like the GT3 was something else, but I appreciate the Boxster for entirely different reasons. And it's still a Porsche. It's still a driver's car. It's got the roof down. It's it's still. Uh, I still felt good in it. I still. I, I I didn't. I didn't not enjoy it. So yeah. Yeah, I think there's it more. Obviously th- has- Sorry. Yeah, there's more things, isn't there? Because it is a because it is a convertible. Because it is a roadster. You know, you've got the drop top. That brings so much more to the experience. It's not just always about speed. We always I always talk on the podcast about us about experience. It's not always about speed and power. Um, yeah. but you know, based the 981 Boxster based on that first 
G-Series you had or even the 996.2 Carrera, the, the power would be similar, right? It must have been very, very similar yes. to those earlier cars for sure, if not more of the G-Series. Yeah. yeah, I think the I think the Boxster might have been 270 horsepower or something like that. Okay, okay. And then having come out of the GT3 with 420 or 415, so... Um, so it was, it was a big step, but it still was a great car. I really enjoyed it. And, um, uh, so, but I think what, I think what you're showing is, is that, you know, you, you're going through, you know, you've, you've had a lot of generations here and, you know, you, yeah. you know, things come up in life, you know, you're still earning good money, but you know, things happen and you've got to get rid of something that you really enjoy that you've been doing track days with that's worth still a reasonable amount of money. It's still, a, it's, it's an expensive asset. Um, yeah. but you don't want to get out of the brand completely. You don't want to go and buy a Toyota or a Ford or something like that. So you stick with Porsche, but you get, you know, yeah. a Boxster and you still got that great experience. So I think that's, you know, I think that's a, a, a good thing for the listeners as well, because it is, you know, it's about, and I keep we keep saying this is about buying the one you can afford or buying the one that, you know, the situation that you're in, you should just buy that sort of buy that 911 or buy that Porsche and don't, don't wait too long because, you know, the experience, once you start experiencing it. Uh, it really is something that you want to keep doing. So you have yes. this Boxster, you have the 981 Boxster, it's black on black, it's a pretty cool car, it's got manual transmission. Um, yeah. How long did you keep that car for? Uh, I think for, must have been four years, close to four years. Um, and uh, and then I started thinking about a, another car and and then I was thinking about going to a Cayman Okay. And I was thinking about just getting, yeah, Cayman S and specking it up and, um, you know, getting a bit more power, putting a few more, putting a few, a bunch more options into it. Um, but then once I started doing that, it, uh, it was becoming, it wasn't a $200,000 car, but it was sort of going in that direction. And then it started to make more sense actually to think about an I-11 instead of a Cayman. So it was still a bit of a monetary stretch, but I, okay. I started, yeah, started to move away from the Cayman and, and the 911 came into focus again. So what yeah. model was the Cayman at that time? Which Cayman were you looking at? I, generation. Um, I think it must have been 718. So, yeah. Okay, so it's the new 718. Yeah. So yeah. six six cylinder um, 718 Cayman S. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, the first generation. And, yeah. And I didn't. I yeah. I did, I did. I was on this on the configurator as we all do, looking at looking at a, a million different ways and spec. You know all the colors and all the options and all you know, the the, the multitude of, of options. And uh, and then somewhere along the way, I yeah. I, ch I changed gear figuratively and and started looking at 911s instead, which is the 991.2. Um, and this is 2016 around 2016 2017. Yeah, that's right. It would have been late 2016, yeah, late 20, 2016, early 2017. I ended up getting the 991.2 in mid-2017, July 2017. So there's all that, yeah, once I'd specified it and ordered it, you know, there's not, there's those months that you wait before it's built and, um, and okay. it arrives. Yeah. So you bought, this time again, you've bought a new car from Porsche. You've gone back to Porsche yes. Melbourne and you've, and you've purchased yeah. another car. Are you? Yeah. Was there was there a point where you thought maybe I'll get the I'll get a demo version or a used version, the nine nine one point one, or was the nine nine one point two just announced and you wanted the turbo, 
the, the revised engine, you wanted a new car, you wanted to be able to specify and, and option it out yourself. What was the reasoning behind not buying a point one? Yeah, I wanted to um I could make the I could make the new one financially work, um, but only only at a stretch. I could do some options, but not not option it right up. But it ended up um really suiting the philosophical position that I wanted the car to end up in anyway. Um but yeah, I, I didn't yeah, I, I had the option to buy a new car, so that's what I was looking at. I wasn't um, swayed by the naturally aspirated vers- versus the turbocharger. It was certainly on the agenda a bit, and okay. but I think I was optimistic it was going to be good, um, even though everyone was concerned at the time about whether it might may or may not be. And then I guess the big decision I was making at that time too was PDK versus manual, and um, I vacillated on that a bit, but then in the end was like, no, nah, I've, I've, I've always had manual and... Um, that's what I'm going to do again. So, so I guess that's a good choice though, because the 991.1 manual had issues in the beginning, or there's reported issues of the seven-speed in the beginning, right? Of the 991.1, yeah. people don't like it as much. But then the 991.2, it's all revised. You know, you're getting an updated, you know, apart from updated entertainment system and the the non-naturally aspirated engine, and you know, all the rest of it. Yeah. So how did you how did you so how did you spec that car? How did you do it on a budget? Because you're doing these on a you know you're being sensible when you're specking these. It seems like that's a common thread here. So how do you spec the new nine hundred one point two? So I wanted uh, again the sound, so sports exhaust uh, manual. So that was also keep keeping the price low, but t- entirely engaging drive. No sunroof. Um, I just I didn't want the I didn't want the weight in the wrong spot and. Yeah. Um, I, I quite often from enthusiasts get the comment like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's quite a savvy choice not to not to um, tick the sunroof box." Um, what else? I put some. some I would do that <laughs> as well. Sorry, Nick. Sorry for interrupting. I would do that as well. You know that I would I would not tick the sunroof either. I would I would opt not to have it. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, then I, I picked sport design wing mirrors. I think I upgraded the stereo to a Bose system. Uh, silver color. I just come off a black. Boxster, and I guess my OCD car washing tendencies was I was I was over over maintaining black. Yeah. yeah. So so a black car is the best color uh, for a minute after it's washed. Um, so I was keen to get a color that I could easily maintain, and I was looking for this very classic. I was going for a classic look. Um, not you know just as almost as with a brand new car as close to the original concept as I possibly could get, which is a base Carrera manual with minimal options. And um, I even stuck with the with the with with the Carrera wheels. I didn't. I, I, I kept with the 19 inch wheels, not 20. Tw- um, that didn't go for the Carrera S wheels, and that was partly budgetary. But I also just li- I liked what how the base wheels looked as well. Um, just a very simple five spoke. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was just going for a very clean, clean look. No, you, I, I like your car. I've always, you know, I've always liked it on Instagram and always, it always looks, it always looks clean, which I always like too. It always looks very clean yeah. and shiny. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, but I think you've done the right thing. I mean, it's, it's pure, you know what I mean? And this is the thing about base Carrera or standard Carrera or just Carrera as we call it, you know, it's, you got the manual. You got the sound which you require. You know, you can up the up the wheels if you want, but the wheels that came with it are, are perfect, mm-hmm. and you don't really need much else, do you? You really don't. And and the fact that you opted for no sunroof, and I need to point this out to the listeners, and I'm not sure this if this is the same in UK or the US or in Europe, but a lot of people mm-hmm. in Australia when they spec a 911, or the, a lot of the ones the dealers have, always have the sunroof. 
And this is a problem yes. I know when I look at 991.1 GTSs when they come up. They've always got a sunroof. It's very rare sunroof. that you'll find yeah, that glass sunroof, which I'm, I'm really not a fan of. Um, they yeah. look great on Macans and look great on Cayans and all those sort of things. But on the Porsche, I, to me, they're just, they're just too much. Yeah, because they're all in black. It's, yeah, they're, they're quite contrasting to the whole body. And um, the other thing I did, to, I did eliminate in my specs was no, no windscreen wiper on the back. I wanted it all clean. I wanted it clean on the back but, as well. So, but Nick, it yeah. rains in Melbourne. It rains in <laughs> I Melbourne. Know. I know. I was willing, willing, to, willing to deal with that. <laughs> I, did, yeah, I didn't have that so, choice. Uh, I didn't have the choice. So I've got the rear wiper on my 997, as you know, and I've also got the sunroof. But sunroof yeah. I never use, and I've said this before, I, like I forget it's there. I never open it. I, don't think, I think I've opened it once or twice since the whole time I've had the car, which is probably not a good thing. It's yeah. probably like stuck now. But the rear yeah. wiper, I have to say, I, I, I do use it. I do use it. But yeah. it looks better without. It does look better without. Yeah, it's it's just cleaner. Nick Murray in um in the yeah. US always talks up. He always talks up the rear wiper. Yeah, so. yeah, I know, I know. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Um. About. All right, so you've you've <laughs> had a so you you know the listeners are thinking, wow, you've had a good selection of Porsches here. You've you know you've gone from air to water. You've got a, a, mm. a GT water cooled, and then you go to the Boxster, and now you've got the nine nine one point two um, Carrera. Yeah. GT silver, which is a which is an option color as well. That's not a standard color, is it? That's an option color. GT silver is a yeah, and I and I always appreciated how in the day it was it was the Carrera GT silver that halo supercar, and at the time that was the only car, only Porsche car that came in that GT silver. So it, it used to be a very special color because of that reason. Yeah, um, it was the GT. Uh, the Carrera GT, and then they brought out that that anniversary Boxster, and they put that out in, uh, in GT Silver. That was the only other car then at the time. It wasn't available as an option as a color. And then they put it in that Boxster, which no. I think I forget what anniversary. One of the anniversaries of the Boxster. I remember that. You're right. You're exactly right. Yep. Yeah, and that was the first one. And then they started offering it as a as an option. But it's the best. I mean, you know, it's much nicer than Arctic Silver, which is my car. The GT Silver is is much nicer. Um, it's just got a little bit of warmth in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, so you you've got the nine nine one, the nine nine one point two. So you're enjoying that. Yeah. You've had it for a few years. There's no there's no rush to to switch that out. No, uh, not at this stage. I, like I'm probably to like get itchy feet soon. But um, uh, yeah, I've been told by by my partner a few other things need to happen before another another car comes on the scene. So okay. I, I did buy this 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 career. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you up there because I you know I follow you on Instagram and I look at your Instagram. I see a Macan that's appeared on there. So you're saying there's no more cars coming up, but then there's a Macan on your Instagram over the past week. So yeah, yeah, that's so what's, yeah. What's, <laughs> yeah, Marie, Marie's my partner's car. She um she she just changed her Mercedes a little Mercedes to a to a Macan. So um so we're enjoying that. But in terms of yeah, like another 911 or you know a. a you know, a car like that, I'm sort of enjoying this one at the moment and I've got some other other things to be done at home first, i.e. renovation and things like that. So, uh, but that's on the card. So it mightn't be all that far down the track when I think about another car, but um, but I'm totally, I'm totally happy with the one I've got at the moment and uh, I use it as a daily driver. I use it to um, take kids to school and transport a dog and, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it does all that perfectly well. So, so would you would you look at a nine nine two next if you were looking for another nine eleven or would you go back in time a little bit? I think I'd go back. It's interesting. I'm I'm not like I don't dislike the nine nine two, and I'm sure if I had one, I'd I'd love it too. But I'm not I'm not hankering for one. So 
I'm um, if, if I if I really had my choice and uh, you know money and availability wasn't uh, an issue, uh, a, a 991.2 GT3 Touring would be would be the car. Yep, yeah. I agree. That would, that's that would, that that's the one. The end, but, yeah, but, that's the that's, one. That's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's that's the you know that's on my list as well. I really love that car and they do come yeah. up in australia i've seen them come up um there was a gt silver one i think a porsche willoughby a while back for about 349 or 369 or something um they're still yeah. not they're, they're not cheap but it's it's a car that's just going to appreciate in value and you just enjoy yeah. it so much it's a great looking car yeah all right so yeah. let's let's um so you bought a lot of these cars from dealers um you didn't really yeah. have to do ppis as such because the, the the boxster was new the gt3 you got basically from Porsche and they had it all checked out for you. They fixed it up. They serviced it. And, um, it, and it did have a warranty too. So, yeah, so I've had warranties. I've had warranties on all my cars for a while. Yeah. So does your 991.2 still have, still in warranty under Porsche? Is it extended warranty? Yeah, or and, I ju- and I just ex- – ju- yeah, it's just gone through three years and last year I extended it for another two. And I think Porsche now – they used to only extend the warranty up to 10 years, but I think they – extended up to 15 now if you wow. you know if you happen to have it that long so um, it's a pretty good insurance policy so. so how do they work the price out on that in Australia does it go up depending on how old the car is the warranty price or is it I don't know a- about though it's it, it's um it's a couple of, it's kind of a couple of thousand dollars a year I bought when I bought two years um, as a package they gave it to me for three there was a deal on it so okay. it might have been three thousand or so but um, they they basically it, it's got to be a known car, and they do a hundred point check on it. And if they've been servicing it, they know the car. They basically they're offering they're offering these extended warranty packages. So okay, I guess when it comes up, they call, you get a letter to say do you want to extend or not. So yeah. okay, so you know I'm a big fan of PPI. I'm a big fan of Porsche pre-purchase inspections. Um, but it seems like there's a common thread, you know, with you and other owners as well. When they when you buy it from a dealer. When the dealer's, you know, a reputable dealer, it's a Porsche dealership, you know, you have a relationship with them, it's got a warranty, then you really feel a lot safer. You don't have to do a lot more, you know, independent checks. So you pretty much just go forward with the purchase. Yeah, that's right. There's a pretty big, there's a pretty big safety net there. Yeah. Um, but other, but otherwise you, but otherwise, if you're buying through other channels and privately and whatever, you would absolutely do a PPI. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So out of yeah. these cars, and I, I want to get onto this before we run out of time, but, you know, out of these cars, you know, sure. servicing, maintenance, running costs, and I know you've got you to cast your mind back here with the, with the first one you bought, but what do you think out yeah. of all the cars? I mean, they've all been reasonably reliable, it seems, from what you've said. Yes. But as in general running yeah. costs, maintenance, what has been the most expensive one to maintain, to keep? Um. Uh, it's certainly been the GT3, and it wasn't because it was. I didn't have any reliability issues. It was perf- it, like it's a it's a bulletproof car. You can it will take punishment. It's designed to do what it does. <clears throat> you can take it on track and drive it as hard as you like, and it's gonna it's gonna be fine. Um, but with that car, it it was expensive because of the tires. I was you know those those Michelin Pilot Sport Cup tires. They didn't have Cup Two at the time. Um, but, but they were particularly expensive. I was dailying the, the car as well. So I was putting quite a few miles on it, not just track. I was driving it every day to work and <clears throat> using it as a daily driver. So um, I was going through a couple of sets of tyres a year and or new sets of tyres was maybe three, three and a half to $4,000 a set. So, yeah. you know. 
So it's expensive. You can do the maths on that. And then I guess the annual servicing wasn't, you know, that wasn't especially expensive. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy prices. Um, it wasn't especially more than uh, servicing a Carrera or some other 911. It was, you know, I, I was never blown away by the servicing bills. That was, that was fine. Um, but it was just things like, I guess, uh, insurance, um, extending the warranty, tires, and I guess adding the servicing on service cost on top of that. Um, you know, it, it just added up to quite a bit when you put it all when you put it all together yeah, um, yeah. As, as a total as a total annual cost. But otherwise, you know, nothing nothing especially went wrong with the car. The only other thing too is like I I, I got unlucky on one track day where I you know on the um, the southern loop corner at. at at Phillip Island, I, lo- I lost it on the, there's an off camber okay. um, aspect. I spun off the track and, right. and everything was fine. I continued my track day, but then the next day the tire went flat. I took it into Porsche and said, oh, can you fix my flat tire? And they, they called back an hour later and said, oh, you've cracked your rim. So oh, right. I'd, caught, I'd, caught, I'd caught the inside edge on a chicane. I didn't realize I'd cracked the rim. And so then the track day went from, you know, all of a sudden I had to buy a new rim and two tires and, you know, it became an expensive factor. I guess so it could have been worse like though, right? It could have been worse. It's just the wheel and the tire. This isn't a body damage or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst. And I've said pretty much on any track day I've been, been on someone, someone has something happen. So yeah. just that running out of talent, end of the day, tired, overconfident, overconfident, blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah. I always like to ask the question, you know, we've gone through you know all of your cars and usually if it's just one car I ask people how they're going to make it their own and what what modifications they add to it but it seems like with you because you have bought you know new cars you know you've had that option from the very beginning to get it exactly how you want so has there been anything that you've added let's just talk about your current car actually the 991.2 has there any other any other options that you've added to the car since you've owned it uh no essentially no except for a you know, an urban outlaw sticker and a and <laughs> and and my number plate. And yeah. I thought certainly I like you always dabble with the idea of of mods and I definitely you know you want to you want to change things up but um I sort of think yeah I, I always double think it. So um well because you I'm made it pretty perfect, haven't you? You've made it you know you you thought about it when you bought it. So you actually what else do you I mean apart from changing wheels or adding having a different set of wheels um, you don't have to be yeah. the exhaust. You've got the proper PSE, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. I'd probably be the same. I probably wouldn't touch it that much. You know what I mean? I really wouldn't touch yeah. it that much. You, you sort of you get you get compelled by the idea of a tune. You can obviously chip the car easily and get another hundred horsepower out of it. But then I, you know, I've, I've put my whole warranty. Well, not at risk. It's going to be good. my warranty is going to be gone. Um, and uh, I, you know, I just I'm sort of risk adverse with that and. And then after a while, you're sort of, you know, chasing power doesn't it doesn't have the same cachet that it might have done, and you're like, you know what, I've got it's got enough. Like it, it puts a smile on my face. It's 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 OEM. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to be. I mean, a common thread as well. I mean, I've spoken to other people, and I think it was some um, Amir who's uh, had two Porsches, and I think he's got one. On, I think they're on warranty, and he was a, he was a bit hesitant. Uh, not warranty, actually, he was more hesitant because of the Californian smog laws or something, pollution laws of changing yeah, things right. to his car. Um, other people I know who have bought a car under CPO in the US, under warranty in the US, and then they've bought a second car, maybe a Boxster or something, and that's the car they play with 
and mod yeah. and then they keep their 911 stock because it's under warranty and they don't really want to you know take away from the purity of it so i think that's an option yeah. too if you have money of course if you have the option to have more than sure. one porsche and we all know that the perfect porsche garage is usually about three cars you could probably that's all, right. i think all of us could pick three you know an air cooled yeah. a water cooled and maybe and a gt car whether it be a a touring or a gt2 rs or a gt3 rs we all want to have you know i think it's three is like the luck is is the perfect number with, yeah with if, no limitations if, if everything aligns yeah yeah that's right <laughs> so yeah no we all have those dreams let's talk about drives because i want to talk about something that you know that i think i commented on your instagram at the time because i was like how did you get there and how did you get that photo and what are you doing looking at these cars but let's go to the drives yeah. that, let's go to the drives that you like um, if someone comes to Melbourne, and then I want to get onto the LA thing, but if someone comes to Melbourne, where would you tell them to go for uh, for a drive in their 911 or their sports car? Yeah, I there's there's a whole bunch of places in the state that you can go to, but the most accessible is to head um, sort of north northeast and towards Hillsville, King Lake, and then that that takes you out to our um, the wine area, the Yarra Valley, and so there's there's great. Um, sort of uh, twisty roads. Twisty and, roads, yeah. Uh, it's a great place to tour. You just have to pick your time and be a bit careful. Uh, weekends, it's full of traffic. Um, we're in a bit of a nanny state, so there's plenty of police around. So <clears throat> you gotta, you got to uh, stay in the span, stay reasonably in the speed limit. Um, but that, that, you know, that you can't really go wrong with that location. Okay. So, yeah. And your, your favourite track in Melbourne? Uh, it's... It's definitely Phillip Island, um, okay. but but you know Winton in the north of the state's pretty good as well. And then, as I said, Sandown's um, good because it's accessible. But but Phillip Island's sort of like number two to, to Bathurst is number one, and Phillip Island is number two. Um, okay, and I've been to Eastern Creek as well, and that's pretty good as well. So Phillip Island's about a what hour and a half drive from Melbourne. Roundabout, yeah, or longer. maybe 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 two, but it's yeah. not too far. It's, it's quite accessible, close. and it's. Mm. It's it's a very scenic track. It's a fast track and it's very scenic. It's right on the ocean. It's it's iconic. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Phillip Island. I've been to the area around there, Red Hill, and that area that's near there on the beach and stuff. And yeah. you can look across that. Whatever that beach is that you look across and you can see Phillip Island. I can't remember what it was called. Um, yeah, that would be Western Port Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful, beautiful area. All right, so, yeah, it is. so that's the drives in Australia. So you, you've been lucky yeah. enough to drive another road, which, you know, I want to drive on. And you've been lucky enough to meet yes. someone who I, you know, I wouldn't mind meeting. I know Steve's not a fan of his. So tell us about the LA experience that you did with your son and how that came about. Because yes. I, I think that's a great, you know, for your son, it must have been a great thing to do. Absolutely fantastic thing yeah. to do. No, I've, yeah, it's one of the, I'm sure, well, he's he's nine years old, going on 10. And um, yeah, I'm sort of building building the car. He's the prime age for building the car dream. And he's, you yeah, my little protege, um, but yeah, we, we we went to LA and um, and we rented we rented a Cayman GTS one um, on to, off Turo off okay. that app Turo, and uh, we got up at the crack of dawn. I'd worked out how it, so we were in West Hollywood and picked up the car in downtown LA. It was great, great Cayman GTS nine eight one manual, and uh, that all worked out fine. Then we headed towards the Angeles Crest highway um Fantastic. hadn't ever been hadn't ever been there but obviously you, you hear about it <clears throat> um with jay leno and uh you know smoking tire um magnus walker um rod emery all those you you see them driving that road and um it's every bit as it's every bit as good and more of what you think it might be 
And, um, yeah, the driving scene obviously in LA is immense and, and those canyon road, those mountain canyon roads are incredible. It's long, it's technical. Yeah. Um, and within limits, you seem to be able to drive to the speed that you want to drive, which is not being stupid, but it's fast. Um, so, and if you're doing 100, 130, 140, 150 on a twisty mountain road, you like you're doing pretty well. So, yeah. Um, so it was exhilarating, amazing landscape, and and then you end up at that um, uh, Newcomb's Ranch. Newcomb's Ranch, yeah, the um, famous one where they have all the well, they have the Friday drive there with uh, Porsche Life Night, Porsche yeah. Life One 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 guy on Instagram that I follow and chat to. He um he yeah. has that drive that goes so, out there on Fridays. Yeah, so we did we did that in the morning, and then we just we didn't really have a huge plan, but we decided to make it a car day. So we we're going to start with the Angeles Crest, and then breakfast at Newcombs, and then drive back down into LA, and then we went to Pete, the Peterson Museum. To and and at the time, oh. um, the Porsche's seventieth anniversary um, oh, exhibition okay. was happening, mm-hmm. and then they've got you know they've always got awesome cars there. So we did all of that, and then we thought, oh, maybe we should head towards the arts district in downtown LA and maybe check out Magnus Walker's place. Right. And so we did. And uh, <laughs> we uh, we pulled up and we just, yeah. So what did you do? You knocked on his, his door was open. How, well, did, how did that come well, about? Well, the gate, the gate was open. The front gate was open and we walked in. We just wandered in and then um, we were heading sort of towards the front door of the building, which is inside a courtyard where you sort of see him filming all this stuff. And, uh, and then someone, they, they were filming something there on that day and so there was a film crew that sort of then started gesturing towards, not not um, not not being narky or anything, but they just said, oh, look, there's something going on here today. Look, it's not a good time, Pat. You know, um, th- they were sort of ushering us out. Okay. But then as we, were be- as we were being ushered out, Magnus Walker came in and then he saw me with my son and he just sort of immediately kind of gravitated towards us and then sort of brought us inside and, asked us who we were and, you know, we said we were from Melbourne, we were Porsche fans. And then he, and then it helped that I had Zach, my little son, with me because, you know, then we just yeah. had a chat and he, yeah. he was just very open and he gave us a tour and we, we just talked cars and you could just feel that he, he, he's a legit enthusiast. Um, and and I, 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 th- I, think he's a co- I think he's a good guy. And uh, How was it being in the garage though and seeing the cars? It must have been quite surreal to see all oh. of these because he's got such a collection. He's got an amazing collection and yeah, and he's, again, he just said, oh, you know, he, you know, just uh, ushered us through to his collection and just let us um, sort of wander around and we were chatting and, and then he sort of asked Zach to, you know, take a seat in a couple of the cars and. Yeah. Great great thing to do. Great thing to do. Yeah. And uh, so he was, it was a great day. It was, it was the end of a great day. We had a, we had an epic car day in LA and um and seeing Magnus Walker kind of capped it off. It was the full LA experience. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if your son doesn't grow up to be a Porsche fan, then there's something wrong because I think that's it. That's, yeah. that's the turning point. I think you know that that's what it'll uh, be in years to come. Um, I, I would say so. Yeah. Magnus Walker has that turbo. Actually, he has a turbo. I think that he actually sourced through Autohouse Hamilton in in Australia. I think it might yes. be that brown one that used to be red. I think it was the right hand drive. That's right. Brown 930 turbo, which was red, and then he purchased it and changed it to brown and, and repainted the whole thing yeah he's definitely sourced a couple of cars from here and um there's a sydney guy i think well, no there's a there's yeah there's a guy in sydney who you know, 
who's had one of his cars as well. So he's definitely got an Australian link. Yeah, um, yeah, with some yeah. Things. yeah. Yeah, at Order yeah. House, at Order House, Hamilton, his signatures on the on the bench there. Yeah, they've got his signature. I think he yeah. did, he did something with their car with um granted Order House's Hamilton's um car that he's got. I think there was a video going over the Harbour Bridge or something like that. I just want to tell I just want to tell yes. everyone to go. Um, you don't mind me giving your Instagram? I've already given it, Nick. So I hope you don't mind. Um, <laughs> oh, it's not a problem. So I want everyone <laughs> to go to um, Nick's uh, Instagram, which is architect underscore driving. Um, Nick has, I actually want to ask you one more thing actually before we go. Um, Nick has lots of great images of cars around Melbourne. There's lots of good cars in Melbourne. So Nick goes to events and he takes photos of the cars and he takes images of his his uh, 911. So check that out and give Nick a follow. So it's architect driving. Um, if you've been on owner stories before, You'll find, Nick, that a lot of people from Owner Stories will be messaging you now and chatting to you. It seems to be like a little community yeah. that's <laughs> a little community that's gathering. Um, all the guys are really Great. nice. All the guys are really nice guys, though. Very nice people. All right, so let's go into your other car. I have a, you know, a, um, what am I? I'm losing my train of thought. Nick, Nick in the UK has yeah. got a Land Rover Series Three. Nick, who's been on the Owner Stories before, who has a 912. He has the car that I want. He's got a Series Three. So you have a Land Rover yes. as well. Just tell the listeners what, what your other passion is in, in the Landy sort of scene. Yeah, well, I, I got the opportunity to buy a, uh, a Land Rover Series 3 1973, which is the year of my birth. And um, uh, I, I came across it on a farm in rural Victoria. Uh, I didn't really pay much or anything for it. And, uh, um and to me, the Land Rover is just the antithesis of a 911 and equally as iconic. From the 20th century, yeah. you know, the 911 and the Land Rover is, you know, they're, they're, they're the most, they're, they're memorable cars. So, um, so yeah, I'm, lo I'm loving the Land Rover basically because it's the opposite of the 911. It's a, it's a super rugged car and, um, or truck. And uh, I've got some work to do on. I need to get it sort of mechanically running uh, well, but it's 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 registered, it's drivable, and I, I use it just to pick up the milk from the shops and you know do a do a short little trip. So it's still a bit of an adventure. You're not always absolutely guaranteed of getting home, right? Um, but <laughs> but I hence I don't I don't go too far. But, but um, when you picked it yeah. up, did you get it? trucked back to your place or was it close by did you drive it back no i, I drove it from gippsland and um okay. yeah <laughs> it was it was a bit of an adventure like it doesn't go too fast it it, it, it really wasn't running that well so right. i had to i had to really baby at home um and it was uh, i felt i felt glad to have actually gotten home in it so but it but it made it it made the trip and um uh, yeah, I've done a few things to it. Well, I did enough to get it roadworthy and, and uh, I did a little, you know, I did a head, head gasket replacement over um, over COVID last year. Okay. Um, just look at, looking at YouTube videos thinking, oh, yeah, I think I could do that. So um, gave the it a go. The thing about these Land Rovers is there's so many cool sites out there, isn't there? There's that one in Lisbon that does all the cool Land Rovers, yeah. whatever that company is called. Yes. There's one. Uh, there's ones in cool. the UK. What's that called, that place? Uh, is it cool and vintage? The cool one and in, vintage, the one yeah. In, yeah, yeah, and they really they they do great things, and you know they're almost like a, a oh, it's not quite singer, but you know they take them, they they make them immaculate. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing when you drove it back from Gippsland that day, it was a sunny day because it doesn't have a roof, right? Oh, uh, it did. I just it's got a hard top. I just took the roof. I 
I had the roof on at the time. I've since taken the roof off and I've just sorted it in my garage. So, yeah. And have you changed the um, seats on it as well, the tan seats? They look like, are they new? No, they're they're original. Okay. They're just surprisingly in good good shape. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good. It's fun. You're right. It's iconic, like the 911, and you've got a great combination, a great color combination as well with the sort of green and the and the white wheels, yeah. isn't it? White wheels and the tan seats. It all yeah, it all comes together really well. And a good a good yeah, um a good car to go side by side with the 911. You know what I mean? Two different cars, but I think still so. both iconic. Yeah. Oh, uh, exactly. And people love the Landy. If you ever go driving in one of like they just attract a lot of attention. They're so accessible and people love them. Perfect. Perfect combination. Perfect combination. Yeah. All right, Nick, um, we're almost, we're actually over the hour. We've gone a little bit longer today, but that's okay. Anything else you want to tell the listeners before we, before we end the podcast today? Uh, not especially, but I'd just yeah, like to thank you for the time and um, the chance to connect with you in this way. And um, it's great how a, a virtual community like this can actually be quite strong and you can sort of be, feel connected even though we're uh, a long, long way from each other. Yeah, so. true, true. And like I said, this is the first time over all the years that, you know, we've been going, we're chatting and comments and, and you know, little things over various social means is the first time we've actually met. So it's it's been good in that respect as well. Um, but I always like your posts and, and, you know, you've always got a good, a good style about you. Um, all right. I think that's it. Thank you so much, Nick, for being on Owner Stories. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. That was Owner Stories uh, with Nick coming in from Melbourne. Honestly, Nick has, has, you know, he's had so many Porsches. He's really living the brand. And, you know, like I said, if, if, if you want to buy a 911 or you want to buy a Porsche, don't wait. Just get into your first one and the others will follow. All right. That's about it for today. Thanks for listening and bye for now. <laughs>